What's going on YouTube? Come back at you another video. So we got some breaking news. Rapper OMB PZ has been arrested for the shooting that took place in Atlanta recently. If you didn't hear the news, Roddy Rich and 42 Doug were on set shooting a music video. Three people ended up being shot. There wasn't many details at the time. There was nobody arrested. Now, OMBPZ has been charged. I'm going to show you what his um, charges are. He's been arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, as well as possession of a firearm during a felony. So, OMBPZ clearly going to be facing some serious time during this incident. Three people were shot. Nobody lost their life, thankfully, but there was multiple injuries. Um, OMB Peasy now, a lot of people on the internet reacting to this all over his Instagram. You see people saying free OMB Peasy. Um, sad situation. We see this all too often. Hopefully, OMBPZ is not guilty of the crimes he's being accused of because if he is, there's a good chance he's probably going to go to prison for quite a while. Um, got to be smarter. Got to move better. Got to stay out of the streets in 2021. There's nothing left in the streets for anybody. He's claiming his innocence, though. Um, be sure that you at least give him the... Um, benefit of the doubt that he's innocent until this all plays out in court. Let me know what you guys think in the comments though. Hit the like, subscribe, share, leave some feedback. Make sure you ring the notification bell too if you're subscribed so you get updates my future videos when they drop. Before you leave, please take just one second too to click the link. I'm going to pin as the top comment. It's going to take you to a dope artist out there. Trying to get his YouTube channel monetized. He's almost there. Please click the link and subscribe. It costs you absolutely nothing. I definitely do appreciate you watching though. Peace. That, oh, okay, okay, okay. You got me. Sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Das. Ah, that's deep. That's deep. Okay. Das, das so can part. I do it? You, you gonna put me on? Most definitely. Okay. okay. You know some people that need some trade lines? Because I got some clear cards. They're going to contact you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. But why yeah. shouldn't I though? Like, because somebody, somebody's like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Because uh, of the person, obviously they don't get a card. You don't give them a card. But no. Is there any reason? Fear. Somebody put fear, fear into you. Somebody just, <laughs> they said, you know, they said. <laughs> You can't do it or don't do it because of this, right? And the only thing you could think of, what if somebody gets access to my credit cards, right? I'm a statistic. What if somebody get access to my credit cards? You think about this, right? Is that how many safety alerts do you have for your credit card? I got a few, yeah. Okay, do you have your push notifications on? Yeah, well, somebody, See, yeah. listen, I tell people this, is that one, all my credit card alerts and my credit cards go to an email. Specifically for my credit cards. It's the only push notification that's going to pop up is credit card alerts, right. transactions, things that happen. It's the only thing that's going to pop on my screen for my emails. 
Most people don't think to monitor, but people don't get access to it. Then reverse engineer. Hey Dave, you give me 650, I'm gonna add you to my credit card to help you build your credit. Hey Dave tried to access my credit card and just gave me 650 for trying to access it because now I blocked him and took him off and now he has no purpose. Mm -hmm. What's Dave? Dave, how much money will Dave have to spend to try to go out and capitalize off of somebody else versus understanding that I can get my own credit card and capitalize off myself? I've been in this business over three years. I've never had anybody compromise a credit card. Hmm. All right, y'all. Y'all see what it is, okay? I got you, okay? Pull up. I got you. That's so dope, man. That's dope. So, one, I want to say thank you for um, for educating our community because when I see the boxes it's not just all black but yeah. it'd be a lot of us you know what I mean like so that that's very very important give me a testimonial give me two testimonials from your students from my students um I got first of how many students you got right now we're pushing a little over 500 in the mentorship um, and about a thousand in my financial literacy course. Dang, who, that's dope. And, and, oh yeah, so are yeah. we going to talk about the morning meetup? Can we talk Okay, about? we can. We definitely can. So, yeah. yeah, so we got the, uh, I have a morning meetup where I'm literally on a call every single morning teaching entrepreneurship. It's really a strong community. We're, we're hovering around 90-something people every single morning from all, all across the country. People don't want to start their business. Um, they need a community of people like it's a, it's a whole built-in audience and we talk literally every morning We like a family and uh, Marcus called me. He was like, yo, I want to add Yo, and this wasn't even he didn't call me like yo Dave I need an affiliate link like yo. I want to I want to sell your course. He was like yo How much would it be for me to just add my students to your morning meetup? And um, I just thought, I thought I was big. I told my wife, like, yo, this, this is a real stand-up guy. Like, I just want to add value to my community. Yeah. They don't got to pay no extra money. He said, I, he said, I'm paying for my students, which I thought was really, really dope, man. I appreciate it. So, and the reason being is that, is that mindset is everything. I, the, the, to operate boldly, to be out here and... It takes daily reassurance. I realize me as one person, I see how much we interact in the Facebook group, how much we interact in our Instagram groups. Um, and it's just that daily interacting. So when I see what you do with Sleepless Nights, I go, it's amazing to have somebody that's willing to wake up every morning and give an hour of time, that reassurance to get your day started. Get that day started, keep it on your mind, and it keeps us motivated to go out and execute, right? Yeah. Go out and kill something. If you want to be successful, I'm going to tell you now, you got to kill something every day. And as brutal as it sounds, you have to do it every day. You don't get days off. I don't care what day it is. I don't care if it's a holiday. I don't care. You have to execute and win that day. And I, I delivered a message, and I went live, and I talked about that. And they went crazy, and I go, listen, you got to kill something every day. And I go, man, 
My man David Shands kills something every day. Every day he wakes up and kills a call for his people to motivate them to go out and kill something every day. I want to add, I don't want to do that for my community. I want to add somebody who already does it naturally. So that way that gets added to my community is something that's already that's awesome. in you that goes out and kills. You already do it. That's awesome. I don't want to duplicate what somebody else does. No, let's add and bring it together. Collaboration over competition. And then those people all, almost all those people have personality defects. So you just have to deal with people, you know. He starts spinning some, uh, Lugo would start spinning some, some BS lie that everybody at the table sitting there thinking, come on, man, stop. That never happened. That's bullshit. It, come on, stop it. And we're all glancing at each other going, okay, okay. I mean, you don't really call the guy out on it because what does it matter? You don't really, you don't want to start building up enemies. So Lugo and I were, we hung out, not all the time, but, but, Quite a while. So now the guy that called me left me a voicemail. Colby, you can leave all this in here. Like if, like all this stuff, even me talking to you, I don't care if you leave it in or not. It, it's irrelevant. So Colby is my video editor and nobody expects professionalism from me. So to sit here and think, oh, I got to clip that and make sure that he looks good here or that it, 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 it's bad because he clipped. Uh, nobody cares. I don't care. Run with it. Uh, so, back to the story. Regardless of Lugo's mental issues or, or, or his the fact that he lied constantly, he did know what he was talking about a lot of times. And, and I liked him. He was a nice guy. I mean, it's I understand it's like saying, you know, that uh, you used to you know, eat lunch with uh, Joseph Stalin. And yeah, sure, he wiped out, you know, eight to 10 million, you know, Russian civilians and, and millions and millions of, uh, of, you know, people died and were put in gulags and whatever. You know, you say, yeah, but you know what? He's a pretty nice guy, you know, in person. So what I'm saying is, yeah, he had some issues, but he was always cool to me. I would say that it was, we were pretty, we were cool right up till he left. You know, and when he left, I remember he was like, bro, I'm going to reach out to you. Uh, I'm going to put money on your books. I'm going to hang out with you. And it, his wife actually put money on my books one time, once or twice. Like he actually sent me, like sent me money. I mean, Lugo had some money, like whatever he did, his wife ended up, I think, keeping a lot of that money and he went to prison. So Lugo got caught, I want to say it was 2014 or 15, got a couple of years for running the tax scam uh, through his own, one of his own businesses. Then he, he, what else happened? Uh, then he got out, I want to say he got out in 2000 and early 2018. Uh, he got out in early 2018 because he got out like about a year or so before I did. 
Let's let's say the the early early 2018. Well, I never really heard from him again. I don't know if I got a letter or whatever. His wife had actually put money on my books, but that was while he was there in prison, like together. Like guys will put money on their books because they've got too much money. You can only you have a spending limit for commissary. So if you can only spend three or four hundred dollars a month on commissary, you'll have somebody put money on another inmate's books and he can buy you commissary. And Lugo was a big guy. So uh, his wife put money on my books and I got to keep some of the money and then I, I bought him some stuff and handed him some stuff and that happened a few times. And uh, he said he was going to keep in touch with me. I don't know if he ever sent me a letter. I don't think I ever really heard from him again. Regardless, I ended up getting out of prison and when I got out of the halfway house, so like a year and a half later, I get out of the halfway house. This this is July 2000 and 2019. So he got out in early 2018. I got out in 2019. When I got out of the halfway house, I didn't hear from him or anything. Like I didn't expect, I really honestly never expected to hear from this guy again, ever. And... I, you know, went about my, my, my life and everything's fine. Well, I would say late 2020. In late 2020, so a, over a year, year and a, a year and change later. In late, this is only, what, six months ago? I would say it was, I want it was, it was like, um, September, probably September. I, I get a I get a, a message in Messenger from from a guy named uh, what is his uh, I think it was like Ricky Williams or Rick Williams. So I get a Rick Williams and he's like, "Hey, bro, what's up? I've been looking for you. Uh, here's my phone number. Give me a call. You know, hey, crazy. I remember he called me. He's like, "Hey, crazy man, give me a call." And I was like, Will, Rick Williams, Ricky Williams. And I, I, I didn't, I don't even know who that is. But I looked at the picture and then I went to his Facebook and I was like, whoa, it was Lugo. And so I ended up talking to him. He, he, I think he ended up calling me. Like, like, they're not doing any research themselves. Nobody's, trust me, I guarantee no reporter picked up the phone or went to the prison, or sorry, went to the jail or wrote a letter. Nobody tried to talk to, to Lugo. Doesn't even matter. The point is, is most of these newspaper, uh, newspapers will just get this art or this press release from the U.S. attorney and just rewrite it. And so I read uh, like three articles, but they're all basically the same. They have a little bit different information, you know, slightly different, but it's all pretty much the same. So here's what apparently Lugo was doing. Because it, you can't go open a company. So, you know, you can't open a company and then turn around and apply for a PPP loan. Because... The IRS is, or whoever's handling it is going to go, the COVID Relief Foundation or fund or whoever's handling it, 
they're going to look at your application and they're going to say, this thing was open two weeks ago. How is it you have 30 employees that you need $500,000 to continue to pay? That's just, that, that, that's not how it works. So you have to get existing companies. And sometimes those existing companies have to have filed taxes. So it sounds to me like what Lugo did was he went and he got, now keep in mind, a lot of these times you can get these companies, you can buy a comp, you can go online and buy a company that's been in existence for years. So it's like a, it's like a shell company. And so you go buy a company that's been in existence for years, or you can go to, um, you can go to the, uh, um, secretary of state's websites for most states. And if somebody has a corporation that was open 10 years ago, and maybe they paid their fees for two years and then they stopped and the, the company's inactive, you can typically go and just pay the back payments, the back fees, the annual fees on those companies and take that company over. So now, then if you really get creative, you could actually file back taxes for the company. You don't have to pay in. You just have to file. So sounds to me like what he's doing, what he did was he Lugo's not that smart, though, by the way. He's not going to figure all that out. What he's most likely did, and what it basically seems like it says in most of these articles, is that he went to, one, a couple of companies that he already owned, and he applied for PPP loans in those companies' names, saying, hey, I have employees that I have to pay, and um, the company's been around for so many years, and I have 10 employees, and I need... $300,000 or $100,000 or whatever the amount of money is. And I need that money to pay my employees. And they, they then say, okay, well, the company's been around for five years. I can see that it claimed taxes last year. And okay, give them the money. So it's like, it's just boom, they're just giving them the money. He did 70 companies. He applied for loans in the, in, for 70 different companies. And it, based on what the uh, articles say, it sounds to me like what he did was he went to friends and family and probably, probably friends of his family, like, you know, a friend of a friend, Anybody that he knew that owned a company or he could get to you and you know somebody that owns a company, you know, I'll give them this much and work, I'll apply for the PPP loan because he's having success. And he probably goes and says, no, no, you don't understand. You just, here's how it works. And, you know, you put it in such a way that it makes that sound like, look, you're going to get a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to give you $20,000. I'm going to do all the paperwork and you're not going to have to pay these people back at all. So it's a free $20,000, whatever that's, whatever his agreement with those people is, are. Because let's face it, he's not, they're not going to do it for nothing. Well, it sounds to me like that's what he did. And he applied for 
70 different PPP loans uh, to the tune of $5.8 million, nearly $6 million. It sounds to me like he got out over a million at least. I mean, just the numbers that they're throwing down here. I mean, he's gambling. He lost 60-something thousand dollars at a casino. He spent $350,000 on something else. He paid off, uh, you know, some luxury uh, SUV. He did, I mean, he he's buying uh, all kinds of designer uh, clothes and designer, you know, all kind of jewelry and you know all that stuff and he's living in a big house and he's renovating houses and it, it, look he needed he, he probably got a million maybe two million dollars i think he pulled out i think he pulled out they said he pulled out in cash three hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash that's what they can't that's just what the what the what the fbi or whoever arrested him uh, that's what they can't account for. Like, we can't account for this because he got that out in cash. Everything else they can kind of figure out. So you can imagine what you can buy. NRS section 199.120 governs perjury, which is making a false statement under oath. This could be you're sworn as a witness to testify in a courtroom uh, and you make a false statement. It could be a statement that's made at a deposition. It could be a statement made in an affidavit, or it could be a statement made in a financial statement where you are uh, providing information and there's language at the conclusion that says you're making the statement under penalty of perjury. You're watching FJTN, the Federal Judicial Television Network. Live from Washington, D.C., the Federal Judicial Center and the U.S. Sentencing Commission present Sentencing and Guidelines, Basic Application. Here is your moderator for today's program, Nancy Filson. Hello. As you just heard, I'm Nancy Filsuf, and I'm a Senior Education Specialist for the Federal Judicial Center. Welcome to this afternoon's broadcast on Sentencing and Guidelines Basic Application. Uh, this is actually a third in the series of broadcasts on sentencing and guidelines that has been presented by the Federal Judicial Center in partnership with the United States Sentencing Commission. Let me tell you a little bit about this broadcast. We're going to be um, broadcasting for approximately two hours, and at that midpoint, we'll probably have a five-minute break. 
Now, let me tell you more about the broadcast. What, we've, what we're going to do is a major portion of the broadcast, we are going to be showing a videotape of a training program that the United States Sentencing Commission uh, presented in Clearwater, Florida, not too long ago on basic applications. So what we have done is we have divided this tape into four segments. And in between the segments, we have experts from the Sentencing Commission that we will introduce to you in a few minutes. And they will provide commentary on the segments and also they will answer your questions that you will be faxing in um, during the pro program broadcast. I'll give you the fax number in just a few minutes. Also, I want to show you that we have some information that you can find about the broadcast on the Federal Judicial Center DCN website. And there's a lot of very good information about the Sentencing Commission in here. So I really urge you to get this information if you haven't already done so. Also in this packet, you will notice that we have provided for your convenience a fax form that you can use when you are faxing in your questions to us. Now before I forget, let me give you the fax number. It's 1-800-488-0397. Also, this program has been approved for Continuing Legal Education Credit, or CLE, and you can find out how to apply for this credit also by going to the Federal Judicial Center DCN website. I believe I'm finished with my announcements. What I'd like to do is to introduce to you my colleagues from the Sentencing Commission. First of all, we have Rusty Burrows, who is the principal advisor in the commission. And we also have Rachel Pierce, who is an education and sentencing practice specialist. And both are from the Office of the Education and Sentencing Practice. Well, Rusty and um, Rachel, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Nancy. And I know that you do have some comments that you want to provide to us before we start the first segment. So, Rachel, why don't you start first? Thank you, Nancy. Good afternoon. On behalf of the Sentencing Commission, I'd like to welcome you to Sentencing and Guidelines Basic Application. Today, on the pre-recorded videotape, you will be seeing instruction from Andy Purdy in the Office of General Counsel, Frank Larry in the Office of Education and Sentencing Practice, and Rusty Burris. As, as Nancy mentioned earlier, this videotape was originally taped at the 8th Annual National Seminar on Sentencing Guidelines, which occurred in Clearwater, Florida in 1999. Rusty, would you like to tell us a little bit more about how the broadcast is going to go today? Be glad to. Uh, as you know from the title of our program today, the focus is on basic guidelines application. And we're going to do that by breaking it down into four segments. In the first segment, we're going to look at uh, some of the general application principles. We'll look at the Chapter 2 guidelines for offense, uh, offenses. We'll also look at the Chapter 3 adjustments. In our second segment, we'll look at criminal history determinations and also how to use the sentencing table in coming up with an appropriate guideline range. 
in the third segment, we'll look at relevant conduct. And then in the fourth segment, we'll look at multiple counts with just a brief uh, look at departures. Now, after segments one and three, uh, Rachel, you and I will be coming back to just make a few comments. Uh, after segments two and four, uh, we'll be coming back to take the uh, questions that the uh, viewers will be asking us. Uh, and in terms of the minute that I'm thinking about my business instead of thinking about the craziness of an escort and all the things that go on, man, I make more money, right? So at 30000 it's probably, not probably, it's not worth it. So if you're an entrepreneur that makes 30000 in net or less, stop listening to the internet telling you to move over to an escort because you're going to get yourself into a lot of, you're going to get entangled. And we don't want that to happen. Stick with your LLC right now. Focus on making money. Focus on having some net profit and growing your company. That's what all I want you to focus on right now. And then make sure you still hire a tax professional that can go ahead and make sure your taxes are filed each and every year, get you the proper deductions, all that good stuff. Yes, of course. But if you only netted 30k or less, then your business is not at the at the size yet to go escort. That's that's fine. You're right where you need to be right now. Keep making money, keep netting some profitability, and keep growing from here. Okay. Now, for my people that are now doing 50,000 plus in net profit, 50k plus. I'm going to use 60k as an example. But if you're doing about 50k, if you're doing about 50k net or more, then that's when S-Corp may start being a conversation for you to say, you know what, is it worth my time? Is it worth the savings to move into an S-Corp, uh, my LLC being taxed as an S-Corp? Is it worth my time now? Let's talk about that. So I netted 60K. Now remember, at 60,000, if I was just an LLC that was being taxed as a sole proprietor, at that 60000 I would have paid $9,180 in self-employment tax if I was a sole proprietor for my LLC. Well, now, if I have my LLC being taxed as an S-Corp, okay, great. I'm going to do the same thing now. 50% of that, of that net is going to go towards my reasonable salary. The other 50% goes towards distribution where I get a K-1 at the end of the year. Okay, great. My reasonable salary is 30000 I'm only paying 15.3% self-employment tax on the reasonable salary. I'm bypassing the 15.3 on the other $30,000, right, that I'm getting. Cool. That means that I have now a $4,590 tax savings now. $4,590 tax saving, right, net savings. Well, now remember, on the same side, we're talking about state fees, we're talking about attorney, CPA, your time that's associated. Well, if I'm paying about five to $800 in state fees and I pay about $2,000 to my CPA, let's just say in total I'm paying about $2,500 out. Well, if I'm putting $2,500 out, now you're talking about another $2,000 that's there in the savings after I'm done paying out. Well, now it may start being worth my time at that point if I got an extra $2,000 in my pocket now, which comes out to be, let's say, uh, uh, let, uh, an extra uh, $180 to $200 a month. That extra $180, $200 a month that I got now 
I can put that towards my marketing. I could put that towards Facebook ads. I could put that towards a lot of different things. Over here, I'm not getting anything. I'm wasting my time. Over here, I'm actually getting a net savings now after I'm done hiring the proper professionals and paying my state fees, right? So that's the reason why 30K is not um, a good, a, a really for me, now, this is just me, it's not a breaking point for you at 30K. Once you start hitting 50, 60K, that breaking point becomes now, uh, it becomes better at that point, it becomes worth your time, and not to mention, if you, if you did 60K on the net, Odds are you're going to continue to grow each and every year from that point. So maybe next year, 70, 80. And as you begin to make more net, now at that point, you'll start to see more savings. And it becomes even more of your time that, that, that um, more savings now, which now you can put into your pocket. That's ultimately the goal. So the entire point of this video here is that as an entrepreneur, you have to make the right decisions for your business, okay? You got to make the right decisions. Don't take my word for it. Again, don't take my word. I'm giving you just my experience and with having a tax franchise and having a lot of tax professionals that are around me every single day, CPAs and et cetera, and even with my experience, you got to do what's best for you and you got to make sure you get the right people on your team that are going to give you the right information. Please do not go on Instagram, do not go on YouTube and just say, hey, this guy, John, said get an S-Corp because it saves money on taxes and John didn't even, he doesn't even understand your business. He don't know how much profit that you make. He don't know where you currently are in your business. He don't know your responsibility level, your organization level. If he, don't, if he or she don't know none of that, you shouldn't be taking advice from that person. Sit down with somebody first that's going to understand the business, understand your numbers, and crunch them to figure out if it's worth your time. Title in hand, there you go, 2000. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And people, y'all don't know that there's so many people without credit or cash that would rather pay week to week and go drive Uber and Lyft and make their money and drive Instacart and Amazon Prime and all of that and drive and do all of these things with these cars like this because they're not, they're just doing it for a side hustle or they want to make it their main hustle. It's a pandemic, people lost their jobs. Do y'all know how many people want these cars? Just think about all the people you know personally that probably could use it. Like, did you just be- 100%. Bruh. And people don't tap into that market. I'd be like, look, just go ahead and give it to goddamn Ray Ray Keisha. Let her goddamn draw that thing. You know what I mean? She gonna pay the kid Mitch. And, and, <laughs> and if she don't, if she don't, I just care switch and go give it to the person who is and I just keep it make, make it make sense. How do you deal with theft? If you um, steal your cars. I haven't had a stolen car since I've been doing my, my three kill switch method. I haven't had one. Could they still try to steal it? Yes. Have they? Nah. I'll be kill switching that thing. Yo, when my cars when my car is sitting in the lot, in my lot, they kill switched already. So until we want to move them, they ain't moving nowhere. <laughs> so Yo. if you break up in there, got your little machine, you think you about to go somewhere, you like this thing don't even work. Go ahead and go home. Mm. Go ahead and go home. So, but I could chop it off. Um, I could chop it off when they stop. So, so one of the cars got start stop function. They stop at a stoplight, it's out of there. 
Mm. We'll go get that thing. How much are those to install? Six, uh, we pay $45. Really? Uh-huh. $60 for the device, per How device. How much you pay for the tracker? $60 per device, $45 to install. Not, not, what about the tracker? The tracker is $60 per device. Yo, we're paying $200. Hey, look, man, my course is... uh. <laughs> Yo! Yeah, I'm getting your course. I'm getting my, your course. My, my course is out. So. <laughs> Yo, oh, so real quick, can we... And I, I, I try to ask this um, as respectfully as pro, uh, possible in front of people mm. to help influence your answer. But can we give like a discount code to the people that are listening on my podcast? Absolutely. It's done. Well, what's the code for the movie called? I, I got to be something cool. I shake his head every, t- every 10 minutes. Uh, social proof? Social proof? Okay, cool. That's dope. Just, there it is. Social proof? Yeah. All it's right. lit. I'm going to give a discount code. Uh, social proof on the co- Yo, I, this is so necessary. Why are we paying $200 for the Yo, I hear these numbers all the time, man. It's very interesting. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You can let it rock. Don't, don't answer. So, yeah, yeah. $60 per device. I got another one that's $115 per device. That's Gold Star. I, this is what I use. I use Advantage. Mm-hmm. And I use Gold Star by Spirian. So a lot of people have trouble finding that when I put just Gold Star. Gold Star by Spirian is the is the trackers I use as well. So if you get them in bulk, they're cheaper too. Uh, I'll go I'll go get one before I know what cars I got. And you ha- and you have the person install them for you. Mm-hmm. Forty five dollars. And and if you use Gold Star's uh, text, they will install them for forty five dollars. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's not even just a Georgia thing. Like wherever. Whatever. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Where's um what cities are not good for car rentals? Uh I don't know because I think my method works with the economy cars everywhere. Wherever there's an inner city, there's so. people that want to rent these cars for three fifty. So hey, let me let me ask you and I, I hate to I I don't want y'all to think I'm like selling you on the course, but in the course does it teach just the um, like the tour the Turo joint or how to like buy the economy cars or rent it out personal? Or okay, what? so it it basically teaches my strategies. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's where. So like you know like you have Maddie J on here. His that's my brother. For Me sure. and him are combined and like our our lot. Yeah. So he has he teaches his particular method. And his style. I, I like his my style, style. Too. Yeah, I teach my style. He teaches his style. Mm-hmm. I've been doing mine in a whole different lane. We just met this year, yeah. and I was like, how do we not, how are we not together? Like, it's crazy. And we've been new of each other, but right. not from the car rental space, right, though. Right, for sure. Which is dope. But he teaches his style, I teach my style. And my strategies are basically just creative things. So I just think of, like, creative ways to make it make sense like that like the economy car trick nobody people want to get them to drive the luxury cars they don't care about economy cars but they don't understand that people are going to drive these economy cars way more than these luxury cars when the pandemic happens and you can't stunt no more them things on ice if you ain't in atlanta but we in atlanta right so (laughs) they on ice for real so what you want to do is tap into the market that's not going to ever they're going to need them cars. And 
Uh, also, you can get in that truck game. We got high vans. We got pickup trucks. We got the uh, 26-foot box truck, 20-foot box truck. We got those on Fetch Truck. Uh, another app like Toro. Fet- Fetch Truck. F-E-T-C-H. Truck. Fetch Truck. It's another app just like Toro. You can rent your trucks and high vans out for people to rent from you. You for that? No, I got the relationship. I'm going to charge the furniture store. Hey, listen. Markup is crazy on this. You probably selling for ten thousand. You giving them twenty five hundred dollars worth of furniture, maybe four. Mm. I need a seven hundred and fifty dollar referral fee for every client I send in here. But when I go in, you go in and introduce yourself as listen. Make up an. I'm an apartment specialist, <laughs> right? I specialize in in. I'm an occupancy specialist, right? I specialize in getting all the apartments in the area fully occupied or uh, occupancy level of ninety five. Plus percent. Uh, they, they're going to be confused. I don't know what that is, but he get people apartments. <laughs> I got a list of people <laughs> that need furniture. He's an interior decorator to you. Yeah, right? Yeah, I do interior <laughs> decorating. So now I get paid now only am I helping you get the apartment. I'm getting paid from getting you the apartment from the leasing agent. And I'm over here with the furniture guy and get a, a kick on the back end because I'm going to tell you, hey, listen, your credit is together. You can go over here and get 10000 in furniture. Now your condo is furnished. And now you that, just got paid four times. <laughs> now you get paid four times. That's penthouse poppy. That's a business for anybody that's listening. <laughs> sure, that's it so don't true. matter what your background is. It don't matter. And it all started from you just suppressing one thing so somebody could be approved. Literally, that's that's realistically. I I used to run that company, and that's where it started from. That's literally how that business started. You know Derek Grace? Yeah, I don't know him personally, but online see him. Uh, that's that's our guy, good friend of ours, EYL alumni. TG, what's up, y'all? It's the fourth quarter. It's a new month, and what better way to start it than to come and join us at EYL University? Yes, the fourth quarter is where star players make a name for themselves so come and join the number one roster eyl university is the biggest platform for business in the universe we have over 70 past classes weekly classes we have a private investment group on facebook which gives you access to our movie club our book club we also have bi-weekly real estate calls with mg the mortgage guy and monthly financial advising calls with None other than yours truly. <laughs> so head over to EYLUniversity.com right now and enter promo code EYL for 40% off of our annual membership. That's right. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over. We'll see you on the other side. Let's do it. He posted, I remember he posted a post of yours mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, I don't know, bro, but he dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, right? I watch bro post and, and, and I, and I look and I'll be like, boy, he, we, we, we do different stuff, right? But I say, yo, he, he give it up. Like he not, he not capping on nothing he says. Like even from, you know, I look. I don't care. I'm wearing diamonds. Call right. the chandelier. <laughs> yeah. Call the chandelier. Chandelier alert. 
But you know, nah, but you know, even with the gold game, man, like bro vicious, nah, it's much respect. Bro. Nah, nah. When he said that, that was real though. I, he actually got my attention with that. I'm like, nah, this dude is dangerous, man. Like he's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, it's a lot of you, you information is the most important thing in the world. Like, mm. cause it's like there's so much stuff that you can just change your whole your whole life, your whole your whole generation with just a few vital pieces of information. Yeah, that's all it takes. And there's so many of us out here leading the way, giving it up to us um, and giving the information up to really see how people could change their life. Like I just laid out, like we're on a public podcast and I just gave out a whole business plan off of leveraging one piece of information. Before that, I gave a blueprint. I hope they take notes. Like, listen, I'm giving you, I gave the blueprint. This is how you clean your credit. Mm. Opt out. Use a 609 letter. Get familiar with companies like CFPB. It's the companies that regulate the credit bureaus. These are things that we need to know, information that we need. And I'm looking now and I go, we start looking and so many lives is changing off of information. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Let me ask you you another question. Um, You had an interesting thing where you said that um, turn a liability into an asset and that really struck my attention because it's like you said we've been programmed so long to think that everything is a liability on a certain level like that is not an asset traditional assets like cars for instance right Mm -hmm. it's like no matter like we we did a video about how to like put your car in your business name and take the deduction and all that and a lot of people was like that's dope i didn't know any but then there was always some skeptics like well, it's still a liability. You're still wasting money on it. Yeah. Well, you broke down something, and that was kind of crazy. It got my attention to how you can actually turn, make money with the car, like running ads and Toro. <clears throat> can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So when it comes to that, one of the things is that, look, I, and it's frank, and it, it probably rubbed people the wrong way. Cars are, are, are liabilities, right? That's a, 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 a 19th century mindset, right? Many defendants also express a great fear of speaking in front of a courtroom. Do they, do they, does it have the same movement for you if they take the time to write out their narrative and their introspection and what they've learned from this process? Or do you only value the allocution statement at sentencing? Um, I've seen it both ways. Uh, I think anybody who stood in front of a federal judge to be sentenced should be nervous, right? I mean, that's that that's the proper emotion. Um, so if you're not nervous, there's something wrong. Um, so being nervous and writing it out and reading it can be just as powerful. And I've seen that several times. I had a case the other day where the defendant couldn't read it. She started breaking down. I'm like, would you like me to read it? Yes. Would you like me to read it out loud? Yes. So I read it out loud. Um, I I know there's some, there are some judges that, you know, can't tolerate a tear in the courtroom. I'm not happen to be one of them. It's not that those are bad judges, but I understand that it's a very emotional process. And so if you need to write it out, great. If you can't write it out, that's great. 
I even had a woman who she was terrified and nobody, government, prosecutor, probation officer said she could ever really talk in public. And so what they did was part of her allocution was trying to show, here's where I've come from. Here's the house I was raised in. This is the miserable place that I still reside. Here are these issues and here's my kids. And they just had her narrate it at the attorney's office. So that PowerPoint that they sent me on a thumb drive beforehand allowed her that opportunity to talk because she couldn't say more than yes or no to the U.S. attorney, the probation office, or her defense lawyer most times. And so finding a way to address that, whether it's in a written form or standing up and speaking, you know, this is not the presidential state of the union. You don't have to act like it's memorized. I think more important is that it's heartfelt. Have you, does that, that sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that you received a video type of recording. Is that an appropriate delivery method then for an allocution statement is through video? I think it can be. I think it'd be the outlier, a really unique situation. This particular defendant had some issues that she was never able to really speak out. And that kind of put her in, their argument was that put her in the situation that she was in to be manipulated for the crime that was there. So I think it can be, and I think it can be part of an allocution. I don't think any of them want to turn this into a 60 minutes program, but for individual, every case should be individualized. And so in an individual case, if there's something somebody wants to show me in the quickest and most effective way is to have a five minute video with it narrated by different people to explain the situation. And they send it to me beforehand. I got a thumb drive on my desk right now for a sentencing tomorrow that I'm going to go back and watch and look at the things they want me to, because that's the most effective way for the defendant to tell their story. Obviously the U.S. attorney is going to get a copy of it too, but it's, I'm willing to look at something to allow someone to argue their issue. Can you describe a situation where you went into a hearing, a sentencing hearing with one idea of what you were going to impose and received an allocution at the hearing that caused you to reassess either upwards or downwards at the hearing itself? So obviously you and I have had this scheduled for a little while, so I've been thinking about those precise issues. Literally this week, I had one where I upwardly varied over what I thought I was going to give when I walked in. I told my staff I was going to give one thing and I ended up giving an additional 40 months. It was a child pornography distribution and production case. And I asked a series of questions when we walked in about the guidelines, because that's the first thing I'm supposed to calculate. And so I asked the defendant, 
have you had an opportunity to review the PSR? And he said, yeah. But from the get-go, it was a negative impression. So most people understand that federal judges are given an enormous amount. NRS 574.105 has to do with regulation of mistreatment of police dogs. And that could include interfering with an animal handler or taunting or teasing a police dog, which is a category D felony, which could subject you to up to four years in state prison. If you disable or kill a police animal, you're looking at a category C felony with up to five years in state prison and a $10,000 fine. I'm Las Vegas criminal defense attorney Michael Becker. Ever since the 1 October massacre in 2017, when hundreds of innocent people were killed or injured by a lone gunman at the Mandalay Bay, Nevada lawmakers have been reevaluating how the state regulates weapons. Here are five things you need to know about the current state of Nevada firearm laws. One, a background check is now required for nearly all gun sales, including private and gun show sales, unless the purchaser has a CCW permit. Two, you do not need a license or registration to carry firearms openly in Nevada. Three, under NRS 202.350, you do need a CCW permit to carry concealed handguns in Nevada. Carrying concealed without a current invalid permit is a felony. Four, there are certain locations where guns are nearly always prohibited, such as schools, childcare facilities, and airport secure areas. And five, the only way to get firearms rights restored once they've been lost due to a past felony conviction is through a governor's pardon. If you or a loved one is facing criminal charges in Nevada, call my legal team at 702-DEFENSE for a free consultation.